Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a very special guest. His name is Jim Smith. He's been investigating what's known as the Smiley Face Killings for around three years now. I've uh, ran into him sometime in early 2016, and we've been in contact discussing these disappearance and uh, so-called drownings of young men in the United States, the UK, and all around the world. On tonight's show, we're going to talk about some of the more recent cases of disappearance and water deaths, and also reference a recent five-part podcast that was put out by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, titled Three Rivers, Two Mysteries, covers two of the deaths both Jim and I have followed, Paul Kochu and Dakota James in Pittsburgh. Uh, I definitely recommend that podcast. I don't know if he goes uh, in more detail than I would have liked, but I definitely think he covers the disappearance and drowning deaths in Pittsburgh very well. So enjoy the show. Also, just a a note here is that my documentary is complete. My documentary on the subject of the Smiley Face Killers can be found on Vimeo right now. Just go to Vimeo, type in the Smiley Face Killers, who is abducting, torturing, and murdering young men in the U.S. and U.K. So you can watch that right now. Thank you, and enjoy the show. But uh, Jim Smith and I are also going to kind of engage in an exercise while where we discuss what we think are the the 10 most important or interesting cases in this phenomenon of young men uh, going out at night, disappearing, and then being found late in water. So we're going to just use that as an exercise to compare and contrast cases and give the listeners some insight into the way we think about these cases. So Jim Smith, are you there? I'm there, William. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. Thanks for returning. Uh, I really appreciate it. These, These discussions we have have all been... Uh, just so great, and, and the fact that you're sharing this information that you have, I really appreciate that. Um, you're a researcher on that documentary that I made, so you know I give you full, uh, you know, appreciation of all the help that you've done um, in this kind of community. So thank you very much, and thanks for being on the show. Uh, so do you want to? I think we should just get started by talking about some of the recent cases. We talked a little bit about them online um, since in the last couple months. There have been cases. A one that was a very interesting case that fits the profile of the, this kind of phenomenon or MO was Robert Montgomery, which was in North UK, south of Scotland, in the Royal Quays Marina. He was an older guy, but he definitely fit the, the profile. Do you want to talk about Robert Montgomery? Yeah, you know, just a uh, typical victim out drinking at a pub near the marina. Uh, gosh, sadly disappeared and found in water like so many um seems to be tis the season um in the uk for some reason gets start to see a lot of cases this time of year just like last year yeah it's like this uh end of the year type uh type is when it kind of heats up like it seemed like it slowed down for a few months and then you know now there's a lot of cases popping up all over the world every day almost you're seeing like Anywhere from what I've seen watching in four years from right before Halloween until right after New Year's Eve is just breathtaking Um, story after story. Sad. And some of the there's been victims recently who are victim families who've reached out to you. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I I will have families or friends reach out to me periodically as as cases happen. But yeah, this this recent family reached out to me, and I it was actually um, in Mississippi. Um, uh, I was actually down there 
with friends uh, for a bachelor party, and it was a mile from down where I was staying. I I actually went and investigated the crime scene. It, it, the young man was found the week before. And typical case, young man out uh, at the casinos with friends, uh, disappeared. Sister filed a police report, and he was found um, in the ocean, um, unexplained. Uh, and, you know, his family also very distressed. They think something's wrong, that, that he was murdered. Uh, his cause of death was drowning, as usual. Uh, the young man had... Uh, no clothes on. He had his, his boxers on only. No shoes, no pants, no nothing. Um, he wouldn't have been in the water that very long either. Fascinating. Yeah. And what the craziest thing, too, is that exactly where he was last seen, there was another man uh, two years before. Um, he was actually a black uh, man, though, the, the, the previous victim. But they were both leaving the Hard Rock Casino um, in Biloxi, Mississippi, um, and that's what and it was, was. That was it. That was the ties back there. Is that bar and casino? Huh? Yeah, yeah, it was at a, um, a the, the black gentleman was at a Young Jeezy concert. Again, concert. Um, his family was staying at a hotel, and he never returned from the concert, and was found the same day. And there was also another victim. I can't recall his name, but it was on the same day uh, as the victim whose family contacted me in a previous year. Interesting. So there's there's been quite a few down there in Mississippi, right? Yeah, a couple. I mean, it's not, not as prevalent as others, but yes, in the Biloxi, Gulfport area, for sure. And that Biloxi area is kind of, it's a bit of a tourist area, like it's a go-to spot, hotels, oh, casinos. Sure. You know, so it kind of fits some of the profiles of these other big kind of cities, too. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no doubt. A lot of drinking... People not paying attention on the water. Like I said, I was down there for a bachelor party. Um, just happened, so be it, that it was that happened a couple days before I got down there, and I, I couldn't help myself. I was so surprised how close it was, um, and it was on a beach where there were like a marina off the beach, and um, no cameras, right. parking lot, very easy to have take, brought somebody back and dumped them there without anybody watching them, right off the main strip. Yep. And that's close to New Orleans. I mean, that's an hour's distance, New Orleans, maybe, hour and a half max. I mean, Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, like yeah, hour and a half max. Yeah. Not pretty close. You're in kind of like true detective territory. It's kind of like this. if you ever watch True Detective, which I reference I in the documentary, it kind of has that feel. I, I love that. I love that show. Yeah, but, amazing, uh, amazing stuff. The first first season is amazing. Um, kind of helped inspire what I do. Um, I I definitely feel like looking into these crimes is like being in that kind of environment. The environment of these two guys from True Detective was it Rustin Cole and his buddy mm-hmm. I forgot their names. It kind of I definitely like definitely when the scene where McConaughey has his map up, right? I've been there. It's, Interesting. it's crazy. Um, yeah. Very great show. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible show. Really good writing. Um, so, I mean, that's the the other thing, and we'll find that out when we're talking about the whole Fuoco Post-Gazette show that, you know, he says that these, these events are happening, and I remember it specifically from the podcast where he says it's only happening in the Northeast, you know. It's happening off of the, what do you call it, the one of those freeways that's up there. Is it the uh, I-70 or something? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. One of those freeways, the I-90 killer or something. 
But yeah. you know, and these the, these cases that are outside of that area, you know, clearly indicate that it's a far broader problem. We can get into the California cases, Vancouver cases. Um, oh yeah, he so, he conveniently left off all of the other young men just in Pennsylvania this year, point. right? right. Uh, the same deal, young men, not just Dakota James, uh, Barrett, or Paul Pochu. Right, you know, Pittsburgh, all over Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania by far, I know you know this, but not everybody listening does. Pennsylvania by far was the most active murder state last year for these crimes. Um, Paul Coach, I mean, uh, Dakota James was just one of just many one, right. last year, and it, it continues. I mean, they, they have one of the baddest groups there, obviously. Um, not just in Pittsburgh, you know. and Right. It's, Philadelphia, yeah. Philadelphia, uh, Shane Montgomery, you know, there's cases, Jimmy Slack. And they talked about yeah. it, how in the podcast, Woka said he wanted to include Jimmy Slack in their analysis, which I included in the documentary, but they, the family objected. And you and I, I guess you might primarily have had a uh, discussion with the Jimmy Slack relatives. Is that correct? Do you remember that? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've talked to his mother. Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel bad for her. She's conflicted and hurt like so many people and you know i don't think she quite understands how big this is Agreed. Um, it's Agreed. it's so hard for people to comprehend that's why i thought your film which i hope everybody watches um it, the more people who watch it the better it really puts it in easily digestible um for people to to, to comprehend what's going on you know um I mean, that's kind of what was surprising for me when I underwent this kind of investigation. It's like, oh, another case. Oh, my God, another one. Another state. Another person. Uh, you know, outside of the United States, outside the UK even. So, yeah, it's remarkable. And I, I felt like even getting done with three and a half hours, there's a whole other three and a half hour documentary to talk about other cases. Because there's places in Vancouver. There were the recent cases in Oregon. There's guys like we've talked about, the five out of San Francisco, whose bodies were never found. I didn't even cover Van Zant out of Los Angeles. He's never mm-hmm. been found either. Mm-hmm. But he fit the same profile out at night mm-hmm. in Hermosa. That disappearance was something else because he's in such a crowded place. He's last seen with a group of people that nobody knew, right? And that's like that's the scariest aspect of it. Of, of gone, yeah, gone. Yeah. So you you could break you could do a movie on probably ten different sections of America. You could do a whole movie on Canada. You could do a whole movie on California. A whole movie on Georgia, whole movie on Boston, whole movie on New York. I mean, it's it's so uh, prevalent, you know. I mean, you brought up, you know, we, we they, I was what I was disappointed in. If I had, could say one thing I didn't like about the documentary is that how can you bring up Paul Kochu and talk about Paul Kochu and not even mention, really even go into detail, Shane Montgomery? I mean, there were a slew of other young men in the same time. I I looked it up today because. Um, I, I kept track, and I wanted to see uh, that month. Right, Shane Montgomery was uh, November twenty eighth, and it wasn't. It wasn't just a couple. Not even a week later, uh, Kochu was December thirteenth. Right. Um, you know, so and like, there were there were others. There was like four others um, at the time of uh, Kochu and Shane Montgomery in Pennsylvania, and they all vanished, and they all ended up in water. Right. Um, of Shane Montgomery, it's probably I I will will cut to the chase at the end of the thing, but I concluded Shane Montgomery in the top ten cases because he disappeared from such an easy area, a very short, uh, very not deep river, very shallow river. 
search for him. Pounders. Every day. Every day. There's pictures of it, which mm-hmm. I include in the documentary. They're mm-hmm. clearly diving for him. They find his keys, but they don't find his body. You know, you would think you would find his body before you would found his car keys, right? Then for sure. He, then he shows up. And in my documentary, I talk about how the police chief or whatever says, oh, he's found him four feet of water. So you could probably see him from the, if he was there the whole time, you could probably see him from the side of the river, right? Just looking out close to the brewery where he was found. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that that's one of the shortcomings of that podcast. But I am impressed, and I have to give those guys credit at the Post-Gazette, that they are willing to entertain the smiley face killer theory and so, and I, they, it's supposed to be a five part podcast. I think they're only put out mm-hmm. four, but they're talking about it like it's they didn't just discount it or make it in a caricature of the theory. He he actually mm-hmm. says that there's a larger. These guys could be a larger, and he actually mentions I think the coach you dad saying that his kid could have been part of that. You know this kind of serial killing or this kind of uh, phenomenon. So I do give I have to give the you know Pittsburgh Gazette or whatever it was you know some credit definitely. For sure. No, it takes takes guts to talk out loud. I mean, I both families' disdain for law enforcement, I thought, spoke volumes. And I can tell you that I've heard directly from people who know the James family and and that police flat out laughed at them when they brought up that the smiley face killer. And I, you know, I've been a, on the record before saying that I really hate the name yeah. because it takes away from the seriousness of what's happening and that it's a character caricature and how, you know, it's easy to dismiss it as conspiracy theories until you are put multiple cases like your film is put in front of you. And like, I wish we could just get rid of that name altogether. Yeah, I agree. Uh, It it drives me crazy because um, it's a misnomer. It's like a partial misnomer. While I think that some of those cases have that symbol, it's a partial misnomer for a larger phenomenon of young men being abducted and, and murdered or thrown in rivers. But you're right. It's been going on a long time, you yeah. know? We we do know for a fact that smiley faces are still being left, though, at crime scenes. Correct. No doubt. Yeah, uh, no doubt. There's close to it. I mean, I, I show in the Wilkins case in the documentary, there's a smiley face with a man stuck in a cage, which is really scary. Oh, right I on, know it. Right on yeah. the route of where he was last seen. And that's another case where, you know, he disappeared and they checked the water and then the body magically shows up. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's still happening. There's still, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've mentioned to you before and I've, I, you know, I've know I've showed you, but there are three cases here in Georgia where I personally found a smiley face where a young man was found dead that I've taken pictures of. And at each case, the victim abruptly hung up the phone with a loved one and was found dead days later or, or weeks later and where there's no other graffiti around. Right. So it's like, out. I mean, that's the whole thing the FBI said is that it's a ubiquitous symbol, but it's not a ubiquitous, ubiquitous symbol when it's found next to a young man who disappeared and then is found in water. Right. Like or to, or like in Tommy the woods. Where, right. 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 Where there's no, there's no other graffiti. This is, that's it. And there's mm-hmm. only, like there, one case here was a young man where I found stuff, and it was four years later, and it was right by a, a drain spout that went under the road, and he was found right there in the water, and when you go on into the drain pipe, big smiley face right there. And that's interesting because they actually found a smiley face in Pittsburgh, right, on one of the bridges. 
In the, yeah, it's not an accident. Yeah, they showed yeah. the picture of that in there, in the Post Gazette, Pittsburgh Post Gazette. They actually yeah, I saw the smiley it. face. So that's pretty remarkable that they actually. And there's another one where it's a smiley face spray painted, right? And also by itself. So it's not even like in with other scribbling drawings mm-hmm. or it's just a, and you know maybe somebody out there in the public is screwing with their with the investigators or you know just playing Good day. but it's still there and it's the same thing with what zach marr had the smiley face spray painted mm-hmm. and they just go on it's all spray painted why isn't it painted why doesn't somebody go out there with some actual house paint because spray paint is a lot easier to carry a can do it and run or get away right so yeah i mean it's it's pretty pretty crazy but yeah i think that this uh pittsburgh thing could open open up more doors of inquiry and 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 actually get some more interest in these kind of cases which i think will be good yeah the james family they i sure admire them because they they've really pushed far back against law enforcement the media um more so than anybody that i've seen um you know couple like jen jenkins you know, there's been other p- people, family members, uh, uh, Vivian Smedley, um, who is Joseph Smedley's sister. She is courageous and brave and has done as much as she can. Um, but the, the James family, you know, they, they've really, I hope their foundation can do something. It seems like they have put their politicians on defense, which I think is what is most needed, like, to really stop this, in my, in my opinion, it's to, it's to get change through. If you force the police and the politicians to be accountable, the media and the story will tell itself. Excellent point. Excellent point. And I included in in my documentary that guy Stephen Port, who it wasn't the police who found him; it was the family. The literal activity of the family brought justice to those four young men who were dead. God only knows how many people Port killed in the UK, or whether he dumped other people. Or how much he was in it. But, I mean, that case was incredible because of the police incompetence, really. Oh, these all four people found in a church courtyard and they never made a connection, you know. So uh, Same as they, uh, same as the James family and the Kochu family. Right. Made the flat out say in, those, in, in, in the Pittsburgh Gazette's uh, podcast. Inept. Yeah. Inept. Pathetic. And that's actually a larger theme, right, in all of these deaths is that the police either don't do the inquiry. I mean, you talk talk about Zach Marr, Kelleher, and Hurley all end up in the Charles River in Boston, and the police don't make a connection between those three, right? And they're all the same cases. Yeah. They're all walking around. And I show that. That discounts the notion that these guys are all inebriated because I have actual pictures of them walking around upright. I mean, so you can supposedly walk and then drown in, like, a pond. The Charles River is a pond. So why aren't the police... Saying that, and that's that's interesting too, because the chief of police in Boston came out and said that there's no serial killer, which is mm. interesting for a couple reasons. One, why would he address that? Why would he feel the need to actually publicly make a statement? And two, why does he discount so many other deaths like True yeah. Jai Kumar and all those other ones that have happened in Boston? Yeah, that- Jordan, all these people. I mean, there's so many deaths. Boston, New York, Pennsylvania. It's just crazy. Eric Munsell in Boston. I don't remember Munsell. Which one was that? Oh, he was in Boston Harbor. He was from Georgia. Um, might have been pre-med. Eric Munsell, for sure. He was a couple years old. A couple years old, but 
the police chief of uh, uh, Boston uh, blocked me on Twitter for asking him questions. Wow, that's amazing. and bringing up bringing up you know uh, specific parts of why I, I I think that they're covering you know like um, when they were looking for Zach Moore right? right and and how. Um, they were looking in the exact same spot where another victim had been found, right. and they go immediately to the spot where other victims have been found and are searching there with the sonar. And it's oh, it's it's not suspicious. We're just looking for no reason. No, right. you're looking there for a serious reason. It's they're I, they know. I I, I I absolutely believe that. I, I believe that right. law enforcement knows. I can tell you that here in Georgia, that my list of victims of young men have been put in front of high-ranking officials, and they dismissed it. Dismiss it, yeah. That's crazy. I, th- I missed the Eric Munsell death. I, you know, that was another one that... Just from Georgia. Right from Georgia, right. That may be mm-hmm. it is because they didn't report it because he wasn't actually a local resident. Oh, yeah, that yep. guy. Yeah, that's incredible. Oh, for sure. You know, so many... What's, what's really wrong, besides the police being and after refusing to even investigate... Is when young men are going missing immediately, they've been abducted. This is part of why I do this, and that the police won't even take the family seriously, won't even let them file a police report, right. and their victim has been abducted, right? Their son has been abducted, and that's like the most valuable time, and it is wasted. And people act like nothing could happen, even after 20 people go missing in an area like Boston, right? I mean, right. how many people have to die before? They're taken seriously. It's a great question, you know. Right? It's, it's amazing. It's kind of like what's going on in uh, in Wisconsin. Right. So you want to talk about the recent cases in Wisconsin? I do. Yes, okay. I, I think it's very important. Do it. Tell tell us about the cases. Well, I mean, there's three young men missing in Eclair, right? Is that how you pronounce Eclair? I'm Eau Claire, Eclair. Not sure. Not sure. Um, you know, which is right outside Lacrosse. It's a college town, has a history of many, many young men. In fact, some people think that I've been told that when the River Watch started in Lacrosse, which Lacrosse has about 20 victims, maybe more, um, in 10 years or 15 years that this has been happening, that when they started the River Watch, the, vic- the killers moved to Eclair. Gotcha. Um, and that's when murders started happening there. So in the past, I guess since October 20th, there's been three men. Blake Blake Mares, he's 23 years old. He got out of a car, was running from police. He has not been seen since. Okay, well, maybe it doesn't seem suspicious, except for so many young other young men have been running from police, and they ended up in the river. And it's not police brutality. Something's up here. Um, the second man, October 28th, before Halloween, Brandon Felton. He's Felton, 25. Right. Um, he has just vanished. Um, they're looking for him on Facebook, right? Isn't there like a Facebook page? For oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. I've, I've been contacted by his uh, people that know him, um, asking questions. Mm-hmm. And then on November tenth, Byron Reese, who's thirty three years old, he has also vanished um, near where this is all in the same area too. By the way, all within very similar, close to the park over there. Uh-huh. Um, and they had a victim two years ago, I guess Caleb Gustafson. Gustafson, yeah. Who was found. He was a young man found in the pond there in the park 
after a couple days. Um, you know, it's possible one of these boys is going to be in that pond. Well, there um, were other ones in Eau Claire that I talk about in the documentary. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it was. Who, who ended up there? i got to remember these names. There's so many. There's so many. It's hard to keep track. It's like Josh Snell. Does that sound right? Yes. Snell. Um, Sontag, maybe. They're, oh, God, it's just incredible. Bobby um, Sontag. Does that sound right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were a bunch oh, yeah. Of, I'd have to open up the documentary to see where I put them in there. It, it's so many. I hate to say it, but like my brain is getting – there's been so many. I have to actually go back and look and look that stuff up. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, but, I'm pat, way past 200 cases, you know, to try to keep track of the names, dates, places. But Eau Claire was definitely a hot spot, you know. Yeah, so the police are searching right now, and they're looking, and I – the. The media and law enforcement are trying to say that nothing's wrong, but obviously something is wrong. Three men within a month are missing in the same area in a city with a rich history of these drowning abductions. Right. Um, it's it's interesting to watch because they keep trying to just say it's alcohol or uh, accidents, but it just keeps happening over and over and over again. And be interesting to see where all three of these young men are found. Yeah, I mean, we, you and I have talked offline about how many times you've followed these cases and then predicted, talked about their abduction and then followed up and found them dead in water. And your list is like 50 men long or something, right? Over 50? Yes, for for sure. I know that's going to shock people, but it is on my Twitter feed. I have, I've been doing this. I've had my Twitter feed open for, uh, I guess, three years, three and a half years. It's over 50 times. Me, I mean, many times where I'll see a story, I know it's an abduction, I will re- I will warn reporters locally and tell them, this is an abduction, this is where he's going to be found. A week later, found. Exactly. Found in water, them. right? Found in water, mysterious death, families distraught, no answers, mad at police. I mean, it's the same, one same after narrative. Another. Yeah, same narrative. It's crazy. It's so amazing. Yeah. Been very surprised. I, I told you offline the other day. I'm surprised that I've I've done that so many times, and so many reporters or even police. I started doing it to police on Twitter, and I would think that police would come to my door, right? How do you know this? How are you doing this? Right. And nobody. In fact, a lot of times reporters will just block me. Um, I mean, that's an interest. I would think that this story is such a huge story. Why hasn't the national media? Or anybody picked up on it. Maybe it's a lot like, I mean, these current stories that are coming out. Can you compare this story to Weinstein? The fact that Weinstein was involved in all kinds of shady stuff for years. And then at some point, it was okay to tell that story for one reason or another. Political reasons. He wasn't touchable because he was a high Democratic, you know, donor. So those people didn't, you know, those people on the left perhaps didn't want to ruffle the feathers of somebody. So maybe there's a lot of other political issues associated with this case where people don't want to actually go in and investigate and say, hey, there's a problem here, you know, because it's a huge story. You could get, you know, you could get all kinds of awards. A journalist out there who's enterprising and is trained as a journalist could easily put this this together and show that this is incredible. I totally agree. You know, just here for Georgia, you know, we've, we're, we're over 30 young men here in Georgia Found in water, mysteriously murdered. A lot of not just men. Uh, there are other. There were some women. There were the lit, older men. But my list is already bigger than the biggest serial killer in Georgia's history, right. which was 
Um, we're already past him. That was in the eighties where a man was throwing African American black uh, kids. Right, that into was the, uh, the uh, Atlanta child killings, right? Yes, yeah, we're way the, past that. Yeah. And I tell you, I've, I've only got play. I've, I've started to get the local media here finally to listen. Um, well, I'm inter- interesting that you brought that up because I think there's kind of a correlation between that case and this case is because they were throwing the bodies in water. The one guy who was a front man who got blamed for it, they were throwing bodies in water all the time to destroy evidence. And these kids were abducted too, right? So it's almost yeah. the same pattern. They had some, I mean, and there was, I think the kid guy's name was Cisco Streetlove was an investigator into that. And Ed Opperman has interviewed him. Um, it's probably an, a very interesting case because there was groups of people involved in that case. And that one guy, I forgot his name, got th- was the front man. But there was supposed to be a house in Atlanta where they were enticing these young kids to go there. And that's when bad things happened, you know. Wayne Williams. Wayne Williams, right. And Wayne Williams. He's a pretty yeah. sharp customer. I mean, they busted him because the reason why he got caught, too, which is interesting. And you and I have talked about this online. Is somebody got smart and waited at a river and waited for a body drop. And there was a cop on a bridge who heard the splash and they got the car nearest to it and it was Wayne Williams. And that was the guy, that's how he got busted, right? Do you remember that part of that story? Oh, of course. No, so, absolutely. No, I know it well. We're, we are way past even his number of victims here in Georgia. And I think I, the, I, the kids were 28, too. There were 28 kids or something in the high 20s. And the interesting yeah. thing is that they know, I think the fact of that, if I remember correctly, it couldn't have been Wayne Williams because after he got arrested, there were a couple more cases. Do you remember something like that? I, I, I don't. Remember. I was so young. Yeah, I don't remember it very well. But that was interesting, too, because it fits into the this kind of phenomenon because the people there were wondering why the cops were so slow in addressing the problem. If you remember that, they... The, the, the public was in an uproar. Why can't you do anything to stop these killings? So it's similar to the kind of SFK type type situation, you know, where people are like, yeah. why isn't anybody doing it? Can't you figure this yeah. out? That this is similar to other cases. You know, it's similar to the, the Atlanta child killing. Except for his children, yes. Right, um, but I would say the MO is the same because they're abduct. I mean, they're finding a place to abduct the kids. They're kept for a while, and then they're clearly... You know, done yeah, poor, it was done mostly lower income, poor black children um, that they were preying on. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the cases you turned me on there was with the Nas Rahimi. That was that's an incredible case out of Atlanta that I had somebody who watched the documentary who knew of Nas. He was a per- that shows the global reach of the power of the Internet, because somebody knew was from Perth. Watch my documentary and said he was a friend. Nas Rahimi was a friend of a friend and his parents don't believe the cop story. They don't believe the cop story of what happened. So I found that to be very remarkable. I mean, I can read. Can we talk about that real quick? Yeah. Let me just read this quote if that's okay. And then we can talk about it because this is what he wrote. Wow. I can't believe one of the victims is from Perth, Australia. Perth is my hometown and I just can't believe it. Who would have thought a documentary that is based in the USA and UK have any link to Perth? That is all the way on the other side of the world. Nas Rahimi was a friend of a friend, and he had told my husband that the family believed that he was kidnapped and murdered. They didn't believe the police version of his death. I feel so bad for these tortured men. So many sadistic, evil people out there, and the most scariest thing 
is they took they look just like your ordinary juror, Joe next door or a college professor. They live amongst us. Jesus is coming back to separate the goats and the sheep. God bless the living and the dead. Thank you for your hard work, William. Your documentary is very insightful. So that was that was a pretty you know I'm grateful that somebody took the time to tell that story from the perspective of uh, living in Perth. It's always amazing what you get back. Yeah. This type of stuff and the reaction you get, you know, I mean, it, that's very interesting. The power of the internet. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you reach people that I can't reach, which is what makes how the films you make so valuable. Um, well, t- t- yeah, that, no, Nas was one of those cases that I predicted, right. That immediately when he went missing, that, I knew where he that he was probably going to be found in the park that he was when where he was supposedly at, um, and they found a body a week later, and then they took him almost a month to identify it. That's um, amazing. That's like yeah. pure incompetence. Well, and you know, that's another case too, though. Is like you know, people think that there's no um, trauma in a lot of these cases, but that's really not true, especially the last couple years. In fact, uh, Nas had so much trauma that police suspected that he was hit by a car and somehow wandered and fell into the creek there. I mean, and you can't find that anywhere online. That was the official story when it originally released. That has been scrubbed from the internet. Wow. It's just incredible. And that whole, that case, uh, we know that there's a smiley face associated with that case. When was Rahimi's case? I can't remember offhand. It was last year or was it this year? No, it was last year. Yeah, um, last but, summer. And uh, and the people who are around him, didn't they have multiple stories about his disappearance? Like he ran off and then, you know, we were with him at the park and then he ran off and then he found, you know, he was found. So it's hard, it's just incredible to believe that the cops believe those people's story. It's just amazing. It's awful oh, what God. it is. Oh. I mean, they the people who supposedly he was with, you know, Nas responded to an ad on Craigslist. He was visiting from Perth. Um, he was going to rent someone's couch and became friends with these people. And when they saw me posting on Facebook about the body being found before it was even announced that him, the people started reaching out to me. It was his friends asking me how I knew um, and telling me strange stuff about the case. Um about his ob- his personal belongings being found on the creek there by supposedly by one of the friends and they were posting they were all posting the same stuff on Facebook um very suspicious oh. I would say oh. um yeah that's off the charts for me off the charts suspicious and there were yeah. other things that yeah in the documentary you can see just incredible correlations the other thing I've researched and the people he was around were hyper sketchy I mean just fetish stuff, you know, all the stuff that that correlates and fits into a lot of these cases. Oh yeah, very crazy. Tried to tried to lure me uh, a couple times. Um, told me that they were that they were told that Nas's shoes were at a gas station. Um, told me some very crazy things. Uh, I'd rather not get into too deep. But I totally understand. I've pretty had, suspicious. I had similar experiences when I was researching the West Memphis Three case. Come and meet me here. Come and do this, and mm-hmm. you know I never took the bait. So be careful. Those are, those are, those people are wow. I mean the cops. It's just unbelievable because 
it's not, I mean, you can do the research on the internet and see there's something wrong with this case. You don't have to be on site and go to the park where he was found or just to see how sketchy and unbelievable it is, you know? Now, if I remember something, like the story his friends told is that he dropped LSD and disappeared. Isn't there something like that? So there's another drugging aspect to that story. Wasn't he in, like, he was found at, not the Chattahoochee, it was some kind of park, right, in North? No, it was Riverside Park in Atlanta, off North, um, and it had a small creek that runs through the property, and he was found, they searched that property multiple times, and never found him until like a week later and it was only after his friends started posting on Facebook that they thought his their friend was injured and that he was in the park and that he needed help um and that those are the same people who gave him supposedly LSD right. um and were posting the same story um and people those same people acted like heroes when he was found and um pretty suspicious i would say um, it's just unbelievable. That case is unbelievable. It's it's bad, very bad. It's it's on my list of ten. Yeah, mine as well. Very important to mine, me. Mine is the top ten as well. So we've covered for my top ten: Shane Montgomery and Nas Rahimi. Muhammad. His real name was Muhammad Rahimi. But, yeah, Nas Muhammad. Yeah, Nas Muhammad. So those are those are that. Um, do you want? We are at the almost the forty minute mark of recording. So. Okay. We can probably go another 10, 15 minutes. Do you want to kind sure. of start talking about our most important cases? Yeah, yeah you, like, start, you go I would with, love to. Start with one you and first. I'll see if I with that. You want me to go first or you go first? Yeah, uh, yeah. okay, I'll go first. I'll, go first. I'll read my 10. No, um, you just read one at a time. And then we'll okay. all read one and I'll, you read one, I'll read one, you read one. Deal. Um, no, case number one for me. I, I tried to pick, when you asked me to do this, I tried to pick... 10 cases that aren't that maybe necessarily people don't know everything about okay. that. Maybe they're suspicious that aren't the ones that have gotten all the um, attention, media attention like Chris Jenkins or right. There's so many that I could talk about like that, but these are, these are the last couple years for me. Number one is Michael Philbin, Michael Philbin. That I don't even know what, who was talking yeah, talk about. That was, uh, you do. Um, it was in, Again, Wisconsin. He was the off. He was the son of the offensive oh, coordinator yeah. for the Green Bay Packers. That's the right. Green Bay Packers were the defending champs. They were playing the New York Giants, um, and the, it was the offensive coordinator for the Packers. Their son, he was murdered, leaving a party, right. was thrown in the river. Um, and that was I, the case I, that turned everything for you. That was the beginning of your journey during on these case histories, right? Wasn't it the correct? I I saw them. On Sports Center at 9:30 in the morning, Linda Cohn, in her own words, saying that people heard were heard somebody screaming for help and they couldn't find him, and then they found him hours later drowned. Um, wow, yeah. That's I mean, amazing. I've never, you know, that's that day I started. I went to Footprints on the River's Edge and started reading about all of the young men in Wisconsin, and then that's when I put everything together. That how big this was, and that's um, still there. That website, Footprints of the River's Edge, covers 200 cases, maybe all over the country. It hasn't been updated in the last year, year and a half, I think. But no, nah, years. Great, years. Mean, okay, it just yeah, shows people running it are just too busy with their yeah. own lives. They don't have enough time. But you can't blame them. Um, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So yeah. Michael Philbin is your first. My first case of importance, maybe talked about a lot, was Patrick McNeil, New York, victim zero. Referred to as possibly one of the earliest cases known 
one of the and he was hit fit all of the things he was out drinking disappeared found in he was found in a water treatment facility south of manhattan island and it wasn't until 12 years after he was found that his parents got the um, autopsy and he was tortured blowtorched upper head off of his body that was also a case that involved cyril wecht who looked at the autopsy and said that he was killed before he went into the water that's a case studies and drowning forensics case and Gannon and Gilbertson did a great job analyzing that. But I think that if you're looking at this from the beginning, that's a good starting point is the Patrick. Oh, Gilbertson. for sure. So that's my first. For one. sure. Great case. So long ago, right? Yeah, 80, 98 or 96? 90, yeah, 98, I think. 97? Yeah. So yeah. one of the early. Been a lot, been a lot more young men in the same area. In fact, uh, one of the kids on my list was uh, Anthony Urena. Arena. Yep. He's yep. Right. Yep. Same area, part of town. This was uh, two years ago um, on Thanksgiving, just like uh, Shane Montgomery right. left the club. Um, was found stumbling. You, you covered it in your in your documentary about the car, two cars following down a one way road, and you could see Anthony um, stumbling. And then a month later, on Christmas Day, Anthony was found in the Hudson River, naked, murdered. Three feet of water. His his relative said, how did he drown in three feet of water? And he was on the opposite side of Manhattan Island. So when he started, he was on the Harlem River side, which is the east side. Somehow he made it to the Hudson, Hudson side, which is the west side, on the other side of the Hudson in Hoboken. That's where he was found, which a lot of people are found in Hoboken, too. So. Yeah, that's oh, a ton. Yeah. Ton. Urena was my alter, one of my alternate top ten cases was Urena. So then my second case is Nate Capper. That's Wisconsin. Um, Capper is another footprints. Uh, no, it's another case studies and drowning forensics case. The reason why Capper was important to my understanding of this case is he was across Wisconsin, but he was found outside of the main tributary of the Mississippi River south of lacrosse um but uh, gannon and gilbertson that he was said he was frozen and he was still frozen or thawing out when he was found which indicates abduction and somebody holding on to somebody so that's my kind of second case in importance gosh so many victims found frozen yeah crazy uh my my number two on my list is cullen finnerty um Football player was on Memorial Day weekend, Michigan, uh, right? Yep, in Michigan, um, he was one of the best quarterbacks in Division Two history. Right. Pretty big guy, outside the realm of size. Guy was six three, two thirty. Um, you know, was fishing over again Memorial Day weekend. Was with his family, very close by. Um, he called his wife in a panic on his cell phone and said, these people are following me. Um, again, pretty big guy to be scared. Yeah. I met these people earlier today. They're following me. I need you to come get me. He was in a panic. And his family dropped what they were doing, tried to go down and find him. He was in like a paddle boat fishing, um, probably like a quarter of a mile down the same river. Um, he vanished. Uh, his... Um, cell phone pinged 11 miles away north. Right, um, that's right. Hundreds of people searched for him. Huge. They found huge him huge. exactly where they had searched nearby. 
in the in the in the grassy field, uh, face down, face down, right? Yeah, face down. He um, people had heard screaming. The owners of the property, uh, like a, a big group of people, hollering and yelling. Right. Um, and the he cause, died yeah, from the cause of death choking on his own vomit. Right. Supposedly right? choked on his own vomit. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, absolutely. He was a very big Christian. Right. Um, Family man. He had kids too, right? Two kids. Kids. Doesn't yep. fit the profile. Yeah. That was um, one case I covered just because of you told me about Finnerty. But yeah, that was amazing. And now he was featured on ESPN. Huge. Talks huge. about his life and how strange the death was. There are people who knew him and they're like, this doesn't comport with anything. Granted, he had had a pharmaceutical pill problem and probably had some form of CTE, but that doesn't yes. mean that he went and ran and fell face down on his face and then choked on his own lung. It more fits with somebody being abducted and tortured, you know, that kind of thing. Tortured. Um, and I will tell you, and I know for a, I can confirm that I spoke to the pathologist who examined his body um, and he confirmed that Cullen was only deceased less than 24 hours and he was missing 72 hours, right. had no trauma except for like branch scratches on his body. Like somebody had drugged him, was found right off a road. That's right. No, pretty he interesting. Have, he would have heard people were calling for him. So if he was alive, he would have heard them in that area, if I remember, because he was only like a mile away from where he was last seen, if my memory serves me correct. And that, abducted by boat. Yeah, so that was, and that's not the first time, because we're going to go into this case, which happened very close to Finnerty, which is my number three case, which is Todd Geib, which mm-hmm. is a very interesting case. That's very close to where Finnerty disappeared in West, probably 30 minutes by car, 40 minutes from where Finnerty disappeared in close to Grand Rapids. But the case of Geib was also another case in case studies and drowning forensics. And it's another interesting case of guy disappears. He um, is at a party. He's walking around. Then he's found in water with possibly a boat. People investigated said that he was dumped. If I remember, he was upright in a, in a lake. And the family saw really suspicious stuff was happening. And then a smiley face symbol was left on his tomb's grave three years after he died. And so that, to me, was another important or interesting case in this yeah. line of cases. Awful state. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Awful state. And there, uh, there's another, this, yeah, there was other ones around there, too. There was another in Livonia. Oh, many. Lot, yeah. ma- many. There's, yeah. there, are, there are these murders on campuses at Michigan State. Yep. I mean, said there was a 16 or 17-year-old kid who, uh, I can't even remember his name, but it's been a couple years, and he was visiting that college for the weekend and he vanished and they found him in a pond on campus. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there are lots. Yeah. No, that sounds very, very familiar. So what's your next case? After My case number three is Kelly Nash. I don't here remember. in Georgia. Talk about um, that case. Athlete, right? Again, uh, probably abducted by boat on Lake Lanier. Um, other cases, I know that I spoke to the woman, a lady whose whose dog finds a lot of these people uh-huh. um, here in Georgia. Spoke to her in person two or three years ago after this happened, and um, Nash sent stopped at a boat dock um, where he supposedly had walked. Her dog, her dog followed the scent all the way to the boat dock, and then a month later, that's where he was found. And that was he disappeared according to unsolved mysteries on Reddit. Disappeared January fifth, twenty fifteen. From oh, Bu- yeah. Buford, Georgia. So that's a recent case. 
Oh yeah, it's a pretty important case to me. That that January, there were other young men who disappeared at the same time. That's in, a, in a, within days of each other, who have never been found. Um, Kelly was a, a high school basketball athlete, um, you know, loved by many. Um, mysterious death. That's interesting. They say it's it's related. Is it related to the Samuel Waters disappearance? So Maybe know. the police say not, but they live next door to each other, and they did know each other. Um, and they they say that there's a gentleman who has been indicted for the Samuel Waters case, but they don't really they haven't found a body, they haven't found anything. Uh, Waters' phone pinged last by the Buford Dam, which there have been multiple young men by the found by the Buford Dam up there off Lake Lanier. Fascinating. That's amazing. Yeah, the Kelly. Yeah, <laughs> so many cases. Um, so my next case was one we already talked about. That was Nas Rahimi. That was my four. So, and that's for all the reasons we talked about. It's an important case, a recent case. Um, one with Nas Rahimi was sometime last year. Rahimi. I'm trying to remember. I can't even remember the dates. May. It was a, May 2016. Was yeah May. Friday. Yeah. So that's my next. What, what's your next case after Nash? Um, it's, a, it's actually a twofer. It's uh, the murder of Mason Cox and David Wood um, on Lake Lanier. Um, best friends vanished. Um, you know, there were multiple men in the same week here in Georgia that were found murdered. Uh, but those two, you rarely see people killed together by these people. It does happen. Um, they had trauma. They were found exactly where they went missing a week later. Right, they were the checked. GBI searched for a week with sonar. It's a small pond, too, right? It's a small lake or whatever they were in. It's I a, remember correctly. And um, the worst part of it all is the last Facebook post on Mason Cox's Facebook post um, at the exact time that they supposedly went missing. And it says, I'm not afraid of death. I'm curious of what's next. Something super suspicious, right? Yeah. Absolutely taunting, in my opinion. Didn't you say uh, that one of those guys' teeth was like punched out or something, chipped teeth or something? Was that the case? Oh, or or worse. Yeah. Um, the mother of Mason Cox told me that his nose was broken. He was missing teeth. Uh, he had lash. He had bruises. He, he looked like he had been beaten. Um, but reported by the media and police, no trauma. Right, interesting. You know, because yeah. that's what happens is the cops tell the media no trauma, knowing that there is trauma and keeping it from the public eye. That's my belief is why these cases are reported as no trauma. It's not because the police know there's no trauma. It's because they don't want to tell the public about it. That's my, and that's why that's consistent through all those cases, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I remember it's true. That was one of the early cases I researched last year when you and I were chatting i remember the mason cox david wood very well very, it's very important to me again that was in january that was the year before kelly nash and it was just like just like uh, nash in january and there were four it was mason cox david wood a guy named cody bonet who was found in a creek behind a middle school um i went there that's not on my list but again the same week and then there was another young man who was found um he had been a victim of a fall, and he was leaving a bar on New Year's Eve. Vanished, 
had tons of trauma. I've been there. He did not fall from where he was found. Interesting. Yeah, Four in one week. It's incredible. So my number five was Dakota James. We've already kind of talked about Dakota James. Disappeared downtown Pittsburgh. Found 40 days later. I've got information from people who you know are know about him that he was in his body was not um not decomposed somebody told me that that he was they looked like his body looked like he had been put in the river that morning and i showed conclusively in my documentary that the police had searched that area downstream on the ohio that weekend i think he was found on a monday morning uh which is fairly common like somebody dumps a body late sunday night um so uh in that case with a boat right so there's your boat right. again, right? So, um, mm-hmm. but that case is covered in the, what we talked about earlier, Jim. The whole Pittsburgh Gazette, just to kind of bring that full circle. So, Dakota James, we've already talked about the good case. It's an important case, yeah, you know. And uh, Cyril Wecht is involved in that case as well. He's from Pittsburgh, by the way. I didn't know if you knew that. Cyril Wecht. No, Pittsburgh. no, I did not know that. I mean, I'm a fan of his work. I'm. <clears throat> yeah, me too. Hopefully, he can bring. Some some attention to this, and we'll just stop here. You know, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, what's your next case? Uh, my next case is another another Atlanta case. It's actually uh, the first crime scene I've ever went to. It was uh, the case of Corey Goodwin, um, who was leaving a bar, was a popular DJ, uh, vanished, uh, was on the phone with his loved one uh, or friend actually said that he was in a car accident and he had to call her back and got off the phone. Um, he was found two days later in a creek um, under a bridge where his car was. Cops said that he was drunk and he fell. He couldn't see. But I know that's not true because the golf course where he was found, the groundskeepers found him two days later. They would have found him Monday morning instead of Tuesday morning. Um, again, Somebody else with lots of trauma. Um, police tried to say that it was just him being drunk, except for his bumper was way back on the road, and his car was parked up near the bridge. Um, Interesting. I found a smiley graffiti there on the bridge by itself, fresh. You had it on your movie. I have no doubt in my mind that cases involved interesting that's fascinating so there's like there's a hot spot in atlanta you know there's a lot of things going on there so my next case is joey labute columbus ohio fits the same profile was at a bar owned uh the same owner of that bar across the street was a gay bar joey labute was on a gay d 